Good morning. Welcome to our service here in Darabolgi, whether you join us in person or you join us online. Isn't it great that wherever you are or whenever you are listening through technology, we can be together and worship God? Isn't that a marvelous gift that we have here and we're able to share with others? The psalmist says, Come, let us praise the Lord. Let us sing for joy before the Lord who protects us. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and sing joyful songs of praise. Our reading this morning is a recorded reading. Um, I encourage you to be involved in reading. If you want to read the scriptures at the front, if you want to pre-record it and send it in, um, we can also facilitate that. Uh, But this morning our reading is recorded and sent to us uh, by our young people um, here at the Summer Madness Camp um, all weekend. Can I just say, they're often having an absolute ball. They're enjoying themselves. They're cold, they're wet, but you're at Summer Madness. There we are. Um, they're cold, they're wet, but they're really enjoying themselves. And the, the conversations coming back to me are great conversations that, of them having conversations about faith and about what God is doing in their lives. So we look forward with anticipation to those stories coming back into this place uh, from them and by them whenever they return. Um, so let's cast our eyes to the screen so we hear them reading this morning. This morning's first reading is taken from Romans chapter 6, verses 15 to 23. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks to God for that, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that is now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using it an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit, of, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is reading two taken from Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 to 42. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as the prophet. If you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to at least one of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Let's pray as we begin today. Father God, we pray that you indeed would speak to us with truths unchanged from the dawn of time. Lord, that what it is that we do um, and hear in this place, in this moment from your word, will be your words and not mine. Lord, by your spirit, would you lead us, transform us, change us today. We would know that your presence with us is a powerhouse for our daily lives. In your name, amen. Freedom. Um, often whenever we hear that word, I don't know what comes into your head actually, whenever you hear that word freedom, 
Uh, if I hear it singularly and on its own, um, I recall Mel Gibson in a Brave Heart movie uh, crying, Freedom! as he runs and charges um, across and leads um, the Scottish dissenters um, into battle. Um, but freedom means something different for each one of us. It's a word that we know and are accustomed to. Uh, we, we love to be set free from things. We don't like to be shackled and held back. Uh, freedom is one of those things that we recount and recall and give thanks for the many people who have died and give the ultimate sacrifice of their own lives that we might live in freedom today in our Western world. The freedom that we now enjoy on an everyday basis sometimes becomes almost so second place to us that we forget that we have freedom and that we're not under tyranny. So freedom can mean so many um, different things uh, to so many different people. Uh, freedom from that, that idea of being free is something that probably that allows our heart to skip a beat and um, to rejoice that we are free from death, that we are free from an addiction that has held us back, that we are free from whatever. Um, I remember whenever I was getting married, uh, one of the reoccurring phrases that was said to me um, nearly every week as we, as we journeyed up to that uh, date of our marriage was, oh, enjoy your freedom. It's all going to end very soon. I remember getting to the point where I was quite kind of, what do you mean enjoy your freedom? And sometimes we have this almost negative approach to that idea of marriage, that freedom comes whenever you're not married, that you're shackled whenever you are. Um, and it kind of irked me. It irritated me um, that, that those two things were put together. And because I kind of then started thinking, well, what is this marriage going to be like then? Is it going to be a place um, of tranquility and peace? Uh, or is it going to be a place of discord? And I'm just going to have to do as I'm told uh, all of the time. i let you be the judge of that uh, and how that panned out uh, for me. She's not present today, um, but she'll be watching online. So I'll have to be very careful what I say because I have to go home. <laughs> but that answers the question. Um, but marriage, in that sense, was a new way of life. I moved from being a single man living on his own um, into a place where someone else now shared my space, uh, into a place where I remember coming home one night, uh, about three weeks in to us being married, having come from home from Honeywood and back into my youth worker post, coming in late at night, about 11 or half 11, going to the cupboard to make a cup of tea before I went to bed, and opening the cupboard and going, where's the cups? Cups are not in the cup cupboard. The cups are moved. Why is the cups moved? That's the most sensible place for the cups. But apparently it wasn't the most sensible place for the cups. A different cupboard was more sensible to have the cups in. And so we had to grow and adjust and be flexible with each other as we learned how to live with each other. Because it's a give and a take. And it continues to be that give and a take in that marriage relationship. But it was a new way of life. And in a sense, a new way of life that I had to embrace, that surely embraced, and that embracing a new way of life together, we actually charted a new life together. And there was something in that, there's something in that change actually that speaks similarly to what our passage speaks of today. Because our passage today in Romans chapter 6 speaks of how 
two separate things come together. How our old self of sin comes together with the new self of freedom whenever we find Jesus. And that old self of sin, the one that draws us away, the one that says we can do whatever it is that we want, the one that that leads us into places that we feel guilty about and that we're unsure about, becomes married to a, a life of freedom because Christ died for our sin on a cross. And so those two places come together in the new life that we now chart as a Christian believer, as a follower of Jesus. That's not to say that that battle between sin and freedom, that sin and grace, doesn't continue. Of course it does. None of us are perfect. Actually, it says in Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So not one of us is perfect, not even me. Not even Shirley. And because we're not perfect, then that old self of sin, that old self of desire, will always raise its head. And the battle between the sin that holds us back and the freedom that Jesus died for will rage within us on a daily basis. And so the question is not necessarily how we can completely get rid of the old sin, because Christ has already done that. We know that. We believe that. His death on the cross has broke us free from that place of sin and captivity. But it's how we live in that battlefield. It's how we live every single day in the choices that we make. The Apostle Paul says in verse 15, What then shall, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. What he's simply saying in that verse is this. Just because we now are Christians or we live in grace and God forgives us, we can't just go off and do whatever we want in the knowledge that God's going to forgive me. So I can go and do whatever I want because I know God's going to forgive me for it. It doesn't really matter what it is that I do because I can ask for forgiveness. Paul says we can't do that. Verse 16, don't you know that whenever you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as a slave, you're slaves to the one who you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so there's a choice to make. There's a choice to make between this life of sin and this life of freedom, this battle that we walk every day, and the choice is this. Do we choose the old way? Or do we choose the new way? Do we choose the way that leads us away from God? Or choose the way that takes us closer to Him? Because change happens whenever we embrace where we are. And so we embrace the battle and the understanding that we worship a God who is victorious and who has already won the battle, but we still find ourselves in the battle. Because we know the ending before the ending has come to be. And so we can glance our heads and our eyes and our vision forward and we can say, I know what is yet to come. Christ is victorious. He is reigning in his throne. And one day everything will be sorted out. That's what the book of Revelation tells us. There will be no more sin, no injustice, no pain, no suffering, no more tears. A face of, face of perfection. 
just like God intended when the world began. But every day we make a choice. We make several choices. We decide whenever the devil is leading us and tempting us astray, we decide whether we're going to do that or not, the preacher included. This battle still wages. Verse 19, I put, I, I put this in human terms, Paul says, because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them to the slavery of righteousness, which leads to holiness. Paul very clearly says there, look, our human nature is weak. Even though sometimes we want to do the right thing, we don't always get it right. And so our human nature is weak. And so his encouragement is this, that we once offered parts of our body to the slavery of sin, in other words, the things that we think, say, and do, that we know displease God, we once did that without a second thought. We once did that without even considering that those might be wrong. But now that we're a Christian, now that we're a follower of Jesus, now that the Holy Spirit is living within us, now that we're squirting out of our little water bottles and we're making an effect on the people around us, the Holy Spirit convicts us, speaks through our conscience, and begins to say, uh, that's not right. And so then we have this choice uh, to think, saying, and doing those things that we used to do to the old way of things. We now make a choice to say, I'm going to glorify and honor God by my thoughts, my words, and my actions. And so that merging, that embracing of the old way and the new way, coming together in the decision that we make in the moment. And making a decision in the moment can be a really difficult thing. I don't know if you're a decisive person or an indecisive person. What do you think? There you are. There's some decisive people. Some of you are still trying to work out whether you're decisive or whether you're indecisive. I would say you're the indecisive ones amongst us. Sometimes we talk about, the advertiser tells us it's, it's the pulse, the impulse purchase, don't they? That moment where we find ourselves um, standing in Marks and Spencer's and we see a bag of Percy Pigs. We know we shouldn't, but we do. So actually, whenever we come to think about this battle that rages within us, this battle between the old way and the new way, this battle between sin and grace, this battle between captivity and freedom. If we are not already preparing ourselves for the decisions that we will make in the split of a moment, we'll find it very difficult whenever we need to make them. Because our human nature is weak. And we'll find it easier to take the soft and easy option in that moment, even though we know it might not be right. And so actually, how we make decisions, the impulse decisions for our lives, our words, our actions, and our thoughts, those things, the bedrock of how we do that gets done now. It gets done in the quiet moments that you have with the Lord, in your, 
whenever you're praying with him, whenever you're reading his word, whenever you're worshiping together with others, whenever you're studying the scriptures and life group together, those are the moments where you're able to give a strong foundation to what it is that you know you believe so that whenever those decisions come, you know what it is that you believe and you're not left thinking, hmm, what should I do? Because you already know what you should do. And so it's easier to step into the place of freedom than to remain in the place of captivity. And we do that, verse 20 says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. In other words, like what I just said a few moments ago, what Paul's saying is that whenever we didn't know Jesus, we didn't actually consider the things that we did, said, or thought were wrong. But we now can see that that has led us to a place that is far away from him, and so we need to draw back to Jesus so that we can recenter ourselves. And we do that because we know what the ending is. We can see what's in front of us. There's a goal at the end of it. It's a bit like dieting, really. Like, who doesn't want more chocolate? Like, you know, there's, I, I, mean, I, I say that, I, I, and I say that knowing that there are a few people in this building who don't like chocolate. Like, um, but we diet because we see the end, we know what the end result could be. And so we know that to get from A to B, we need to do all the things in between. And if we want to be that place with Jesus, that we so desire that closeness and that intimate place that seems so far away over there, then we need to put all those little steps in faith because we do it one step at a time. You want to lose three stone and weight, you don't do it overnight. You do it a pound or two pounds every week. Because it's the small steps that lead to the ultimate goal. And it's the same in our Christian walk. It's the small steps in the quiet place and in the place of community that lead us to the ultimate goal of growing as a believer in Jesus. So before I was married, I was told, enjoy your freedom. 21 years later. It's better now than it was then. Because we've grown together. Because we've worked at it. Because the tension of the two coming to one and the embracing of it means that we can grow together. And so as we embrace the tension of the flesh within us, the humanity within us, and the Christ living within us, as we embrace that, it's the small steps in the everyday that will mean that as we look back in 20 years' time, we can see how far we've changed, grown, and come with the Lord.
because we can see the ultimate goal. A place where there is no injustice, no pain, no suffering, and no more tears. Because Paul clinches it all in verse 23 of Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That if we continue to do the things that displease him, then the wages for that, the payment for that, the penalty for that, is death without Jesus. But if we receive the free gift that he has given us through his life, his death, and his resurrection, then eternal life is ours to be had. That's a well-known verse, for the gift of God, the, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. As I read that verse often, and every time I read it, I often read it like this. For the wages of sin might be death. However, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Um, in my head, by putting that little might in there, it's not that I'm uncertain that that is true. It's that, well, that, that might be the case. I definitely know that's the case. That might be the case. However, <laughs> there's a different way. Because the God that we worship always offers us a different way. But like any gift, it needs to be received. It needs to be taken and it needs to be opened. There's no point in taking a gift to somebody's house giving it to them and coming back in a year's time and seeing that gift sitting wrapped with a bow on it on the mantelpiece, never unopened. You'd wonder, what the heck are they doing? I gave that to them 12 months ago. And they've done nothing with it. Still sitting there. Yet today Jesus offers us a gift that he wants us to open and to use in our everyday lives. So the battle that we face becomes a battle to be embraced. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us and that in your presence we find everything that we need. We find the abundance of life itself. So Father, as we consider what this means for us today. As your spirit prompts us, convicts us, prods or pokes at us, or encourages us, we thank you that you're here. That you would give us the strength, the grace, and the wisdom that we need to respond to you. The grace, the wisdom, and the strength that we need so we can go from this place offering a cup of water to the little ones so we do not lose our reward. We can go from this place 
knowing that you are present within us and that your presence makes an effect in the world around us. Thank you that you are not shifting sand, but that you are solid rock, the foundation upon which we stand. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we close today, we hear some words from the book of Romans, chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.